Hello and welcome. We are back after a nice little uh, nice little weekend there, drinking champagne. We're going to be talking a little New Year's uh, New Year's resolutions here this uh, uh, this evening. And uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean we got a lot to, we got a lot to talk about. First of all, uh, Andrew, there was uh, if if anyone follows you on Twitter or is friends with you on Facebook, I'm sure they know and, and they've seen the news. But if not, congratulations, uh, Andrew is uh, now engaged. We're gonna go ahead and uh, give him a little round of applause there. Uh, yeah, and, and we were talking beforehand. You were not nervous at all. No. So here's the thing. Uh, I, I had had the ring for, for a little while. I had informed my dad that I had it. I knew that it was going to be put to use at some point fairly soon. But it actually wound up happening after I took a trip to San Francisco for an entirely different reason. So my dad's coming out here in a couple of weeks, and one of the things he had mentioned we could potentially do is go to the University of San Francisco for a basketball game against St. Mary's. Both teams are usually very good, but my dad was a big Boston Celtics fan growing up, and when he was growing up, a guy named Bill Russell was the uh, bedrock of the team that won 9,000 championships. So he played his college ball over at USF. So figured it'd be nice. We go over there. We see a game in the gym. We see all the cool things they've got from the olden days. Fantastic, right? So on Tuesday of last week, I drove into San Francisco saying, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to see if I can find the gym. I'm going to see if I can find a place to park so that that way, when dad comes flying out here in a couple of weeks, I'm not flying totally blind. Josh, total swing and a miss on that front. I went looking for the campus and found the campus. No idea where the basketball court is. No idea where we're going to park. But about a half mile to three quarters of a mile past that campus is a place called the Lands End Lookout. And it looks out, of course, right over the Pacific Ocean. It's a beautiful, beautiful setting. I pulled over, took one look at the place, Ding! A <laughs> couple of days later, uh, Alicia, my fiance, and I were in San Francisco to go see Beetlejuice at the Golden Gate Theater. Incredibly weird show that is absolutely worth your time if they ever come to your town, by the way. Really cool stuff. But the plan that she had was that we were going to stop somewhere in West San Francisco to try to find a place to grab some lunch before the show. Well, we wound up stopping in the parking lot right next to the Land's End lookout. <laughs> so it actually worked out fantastic. And the best part of all of this is I didn't have a photographer there. I wasn't going to go overly cheesy with it. I didn't want to, and she wouldn't have wanted that either. But right after she said yes, and we hugged and it was wonderful. All of a sudden I see this person coming down the trail and she had taken photos of us that I now have on my phone. <laughs> Total pure luck. I have never seen that person before. Probably will never again. If you are out there, thank you. I owe you forever. But it was a lot of fun. It was absolutely wonderful. Uh, it's Everything went about as smoothly as it could possibly go, all things considered. So uh, yeah, very, very, very happy about that, obviously. And if you're out there and you follow me on social media and you sent me well wishes over the last couple of days, know that Alicia and I both very, very much appreciate it. Thank you. 
Man, I, I just remember we talked about this months ago. And I think you had a different plan. And then, like, I remember you coming back and being like, didn't happen. Yeah. It didn't work out. It was like, yeah, there you were, were like, there no, were it was no good. Things where I'm like, okay, maybe this will work. No, maybe this will work. No. But honestly, everything worked out the way it was supposed to work out. And it, it wound up being about as good as it was going to be. So absolutely no complaints. Well, good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the two of you. Thank you. Um, you know, I'm sure... Uh, you probably have already gotten plenty of ribbing of, uh, oh my goodness, finally, uh, which is just yes. what people do. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, if you want a real laugh, though, and this is the thing that I'm going to be telling people, try to imagine the weird assortment of horse racing Twitter people that are going to be in attendance for this thing and try not to laugh hysterically. It's going to be, I, I joke with a friend of mine, Joe Nevels, who, if you know Joe, you know, he writes for the Pollock Report, as does his wife, Natalie. I've joked with him that we're going to have a whole bunch of turf writers that are used to writing some incredibly breaking stories on a very tight deadline. That's going to be a day something bonkers happens. Like I'm talking Navarro and service get arrested happens. <laughs> and my wedding is going to be the first one in history with a press box. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I, 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 I wish nothing but the best for the two of you. So I'm sure, uh, I, I do not envy, uh, the uh, next, uh, however long, uh, it's going to take, uh, for you to plan this thing because, um, yeah, that is just not, not fun, but, uh, well, we'll see. The good thing is neither of us are in an insane hurry. Like we're looking at stuff and we're seeing things as they come up, but it's not like, oh, we got engaged in December. We need to get married during the summer. We have six months. Oh my God. What the heck's going on? It's not um, like that. Thank goodness. So no, we're, uh, we're in an incredibly good place. I uh, spent Christmas with her and her family. That was a lot of fun. Uh, getting to show the ring off was a lot of fun too. So uh, uh, everything went as as well as it could possibly go, both when that happened and the couple of days after that. Again, if you've reached out, thank you. Know that I'm incredibly grateful. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think that very, very good end to the year for you. Uh, and, and obviously we're going to roll into next year. And I thought it'd be fun to talk about, you know, Everyone likes to do these uh, new, these New Year's resolutions, right? Um, that uh, maybe last a month. So I figured, hey, why not let us do our our wagering, our, our betting, handicapping, whatever you want to call it, resolutions here uh, coming up for the the year of our Lord, twenty twenty three. And uh, I I do you know I think the first thing. And this is kind of like, this doesn't count as a real one, but the first thing I will mention is, uh, and this is something I'm going to try not to do next year, is when your friend calls you up and says, hey, I got to hit so many, cause so many points to get my status up, you know, the week before the end of the year uh, and offers to go to your c casino with you, Right. <laughs> Just say no, because <laughs> the amount of degeneracy that happened before we recorded this, I saw things that I did not know Mr. Brian Duransky was capable of. This feels um, like the monologue from Blade Runner. I have seen things that you could never believe. Like, and I got caught up in it too, right? Because then like, I see how much this man was betting, and I'm like, man, I'm over here. I'm, I'm betting like 
Peer like pressure is a, a powerful spin. thing, Josh. I'm like, oh, next thing you know, dude, I'm playing uh, 10 hand video poker, right? And I'm just why like, why would you it, do it was, that? Just why would know. you do that to yourself? You want to know the worst part is, is I was playing, I was playing three hand quarter, which I thought was already, you know, just crazy. Uh, and I hit four of a kind with the multiplier. And I like I should have just been done. But, you know, alas, you know, what what in a casino, I don't think anyone's ever done. Um, but uh yeah, it it was it was just insane. Um Brian at some point got a hand pay. And then uh so you know they come over and they you know have you fill out your you know paperwork and they go grab your money and they take their sweet time doing this. Um and in the in the span of when he gave the paperwork for the hand pay and he got the money, he not only ran money up to like sixteen hundred dollars, but then proceeded to lose all of it. And he's like, Man, if these people and we were walking out of the casino and we're get we get into the elevator in the parking garage, and he just turns to me and he goes, Man, if they would have just brought that money quicker, I would have probably left here with an extra fifteen hundred bucks. <laughs> he's just like, oh man! But uh, no, it was a blast. We, you know, we had fun. Uh, you know, he, uh, we just went over to, to Hammond, and you know, just like I said, just kind of messed around. He was, uh, he was sitting there with work. Um, he he works close to there, so he was just like, yeah, I'm gonna head over after work. So headed over there. We had a couple beers, and you know, played some played some slots, video poker. He played some roulette, and. You know, we had uh, we had a good time. So, uh, shout out to uh, Mr. BD horse player Brian Duransky there. Um, but NHC uh, qualifier Brian Duransky. Yeah. So part of the reason, that, and actually NHC is what kind of um, is driving this because uh, he didn't want to pay the resort fees for his uh, for his trip at, to NHC, uh, and you know he proceeded to you know lose countless of hundreds of dollars to avoid paying whatever two hundred dollars. So. <laughs> Very efficient of us, uh, but uh, but you know it was a, it was a good time. Um, but yeah, uh, so next year, uh, Brian, if you call me for the same exact reason, uh, I might have to decline. Uh, I'm just kidding. You know that I will uh, probably be there and bring more money this time. But um, yeah, I don't know, Andrew. Why don't why don't you get started with the real resolution? What, what's what's number what's number one on your 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 list here? Get engaged. Oh, wait, I already did that. Um, The first one, it's something I never knew I needed until I saw it Monday afternoon at the great race place. Frankie DeTore is a blind bet on that turf course. And here's why. He's 50 some odd years old. This is his farewell tour. He's not taking mounts just to get mounts. If he's taking mounts, they're live and should be treated as significant rider upgrades from 90% of the jockey colony in Southern California. I respect Juan Hernandez. He doesn't really apply here. I respect Umberto Rispoli on turf. Doesn't really apply here. But he had a ride down the hill on a horse with a French name that I'm not even going to try to butcher. I'm just going to call it the nine horse for the sake of not offending anybody. Okay. <laughs> he rode the nine horse perfectly when a whole bunch of other riders were taking back and taking back and taking back coming down the hill. 
about three furlongs to go, DeTore finds himself on the lead. And then he was not supposed to be on the lead with that particular horse, but he made the rest of the field try to catch him. And of course they couldn't for a variety of different reasons. And all of a sudden the one ticket I'm cashing is a win wager on a Frankie DeTore horse on the turf that paid $15. He's going to win a lot of races over that turf course and coming down that hill. If you think he's just taking mounts just for the sake of taking mounts, that's not what's happening here. He's coming to ride nice, well-meant horses and, of course, hopefully get a derby mount. That's what he had initially said his main goal was coming to Santa Anita. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch ride throughout the course of the meet, but specifically over that turf course. There are not many better riders over the last 30 years on turf than Lanfranco de Torre. He's very rarely in the wrong place at the wrong time. He's got an excellent clock in his head. There's a reason he's ridden so many really good horses over the course of his career. And I'm looking forward to betting him whenever he's live. Yeah, I uh, I really liked this mountain that race. Um, I, I That was part of the, the late sequence, I believe. Yes, um, it was. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of covered that. We covered that in our Thursday stream, and that was – uh, that was one of my two horses in that race. I think I also like the eight horse in that race. But, yeah, the uh, eight horse was the favorite, and that one was coming off of a pretty long layoff. And that's the reason I opted to look elsewhere, and I went, wait a minute. This nine is going from Mario Gutierrez to Frankie mm-hmm. Dettori. No disrespect to Mario Gutierrez. He's a fine rider. You can say that about a bunch of riders there that are hitting at about a 10, 12, even 15% clip. Unless it's Hernandez or Rispoli. Dettori is a major, major upgrade, especially on turf. You, uh, I, I noticed that you did not mention uh, Belmont Stakes winner Jose Valdivia Jr. I did not, yeah. no. <laughs> and I also didn't mention the turf god Mike Smith. Uh, turf god Mike Smith, turf god uh, Hector Berrios. Um, you know, I, I got a question for you because you might know a little bit better um, than because it's something that came up on our stream on Thursday. I want to say like two or three years ago, wasn't Mike Smith taking far less mounts than he is now? He was taking significantly less mounts. Yes. He went through a stage where he was riding in some cases one or two a day. He's not riding every race, but he is taking a few more mounts. Funny thing is, When he did that, it wasn't two or three years ago he started. It was about five or six years he started doing that. Javier Castellano tried to do that at Saratoga one year. He started the Saratoga meet one for about 30, and that immediately stopped because if you're not winning races, you're not getting put on those high-quality mounts. It's a very slippery slope, and you've got to be really, really good to be able to sustain that. And that's not saying Javier Castellano and Mike Smith aren't very, very good, but yes, there was an instance a couple of years ago where I think Mike Smith was contemplating retirement perhaps. And he was really scaling back his mounts to where when he got on a horse in the afternoon, if it was a first time starter, just go bet it. Yeah. I remember him being on a couple of like super live uh, sheriff's horses and mm-hmm. it was just like, I'm like, this is his only mount for the day. And it's like the last race of the day. Like, what is going on? And yeah. and But I just noticed, um, I, I noticed at least this year 
that he's been named on a lot more mounts. He's been riding a lot more. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if, if he just um, is more interested in it or, or what's going on. But there was just, it was just like one of those things I noticed. Um, and I had talked with uh, on stream on Thursday. I'd kind of mentioned something like that. And um, I didn't know if, if – if there was if there was something there was more behind it other than just uh he was kind of just slowing down for a little bit, but it looks like he's kind of taking it back up. So um yeah, but uh you know, much like Mike Smith of uh five or six years ago, um my I, I and I probably say this every year, but uh, my my big resolution is to play fewer races. Because like and I talk with, uh, you know, I talk with my buddies about this a lot, right? Um, there's a difference, right, between capping a card for Saturday, right? Getting your getting your homework in, getting your wagers done, doing your homework, and hey, I'm gonna put my like a a healthy amount of bankroll into this card, right? Whether if you're normally a I don't know, two, three hundred dollar a day better, right? Hey, like this is like I'm doing all that work, getting all those bets ready. You know, I'm gonna put that much through the windows. Versus Wednesday night, you got nothing going on. Crack open a beer, have a little bit of whiskey. Turfway Park's running, right? And you're gonna just fire twenty, twenty to fifty bucks at the card, right? There's there's a big there's a difference I think in in more action type wagering or just straight action wagering versus actual handicapping and actually putting putting it and action betting can be very detrimental for your for your bankroll um if you don't scale it back greatly and i think one of the things that that's happened is that as my bankroll has gotten bigger and things have scaled up i've also scaled up my action wagers, right? So what used to be, hey, me firing two dollar win bets, five dollar win bets at Turfway, uh, on, on a card that I didn't put a lot of time into, right? Hey, if if I really like the Wednesday night Turfway card and I cap it and I'm ready to go, like yeah, great. But if this is you know Wednesday night, I've been at work all day, I haven't looked at it, and it's you know the second race, um, you know I, I can't be firing twenty dollar win bets into that. Uh, which for me is kind of like, hey, this is my normal scale, right? Like I need to scale back on the action betting and I just need to play fewer races. Not necessarily scale back even the amount, like the total handle I'm doing, but hey, like when I'm right, I got to make sure I get paid. And, you know, and, and you, you do that by, you know, playing fewer races, finding strong opinions, and hammering them. So, you know, I, I definitely got to do a little bit more of that. I know um, our good friend uh, Sheldon, uh, at Fake Maven on Twitter, uh, he, uh, we, we were at the, the Hawthorne tournament, and uh, I was playing, I was playing exactas mostly, basically, and I would have this price I liked, and maybe like a mid-price horse and i would play it straight with the price on top and a couple of mid prices in second and it would come flip-flop and sheldon's looking at me he's like why don't you play it both ways 
And I'm like, no. I'm like, you know, I'm playing my opinion here. And he just like looks at me. He goes, yep, that's uh, that's Tommy there for you. Uh, obviously talking about Tommy Masses, who uh, when you know I, I've talked with a bunch, and he he's actually helped me a ton in just reimagining the way that I that I wager. So um, looks like you're, you're trying to say something there. No, you're leading right into my second one really, really well. So I'm just going to like get out of the way and let you keep rolling. This is, um, it's absolutely true, right? I mean, even if it's a case where you're at a track you don't usually go to, or you're playing a track in a contest and you start looking at the card and you're going, okay, I've handicapped the entire card. I may as well play something. Well, all of a sudden, even if you're, you know, an 80 to $100 a day player when you decide to play, you play a couple of $24 pick fours, you play some doubles, you play some win bets, it adds up. And especially if you're not familiar with the circuit or with a track or with a particular tendency that you really need to pay attention to, that doesn't become an informed smart wager. I know there are some people out there that say, oh, you can apply certain principles across all tracks and you should be playing that without fear and da-da-da-da-da. If that works for you, go for it. I find it does not work for the vast majority of players. Yeah, and, you know, I I mean, I think I've done a better job of playing what I know and not playing as much just jank and garbage like like stuff that like i don't play often like yeah if i'm sitting here bored on a saturday and hey i see tampa's running maybe i'll take take a quick peek right but i'm not tossing hundreds of dollars through the windows at tampa Mm -hmm. you know gulfstream during the championship meet when there's nothing else going on like yes but like honestly until sam houston cranks up and if if that comes up yeah, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Uh-oh. Um, earlier today, we're recording this on Wednesday, December 28th. Uh, Nick Tamaro, the track announcer and morning line man, posted a photo of the track. It's beautiful. The turf course looks fantastic. Like the smart aleck I am, I replied, will non-Texans be able to wager on Sam Houston? As of now, the answer is no. Sam Houston, Texas Racing Commission, whoever needs to hear this, get your shit together. Yeah, I um I I contemplating, I'm contemplating going down to Sam Houston for the NHC contest they have uh end of next month. Okay. Um, uh that's Caleb, their big day, right? The Houston Racing yep, Festival, yep. and that's Caleb is had- January every year. Caleb happens to be in town for work that week. So, uh, work. So, no, so he's at, so, you know, he, it's not like he, like, he's basically going to extend his stay to, uh, to, you know, kind of right. accommodate this. Well, he's in um, New Orleans. So that's like either a reasonable drive or a short flight if you can afford the $6,000 Southwest ticket. Yeah, uh, it, I, that's what I was looking at with Southwest. It was 150 bucks round trip. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I've I've been telling people with South the Southwest thing, I'm I'm not too too concerned about it, um, because and I'm just like looking forward to the sale that's going to happen after uh, this all gets us. Uh, yeah, the oops are bad sale. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, Chicago 
it doesn't have a, a lack of flights um, and, and flight options. So even if Southwest was off the table, I, I would be fine. But uh, but yeah, um, you know that's that's a track that I I know and I play a ton. And yeah. uh, you know it, it's it's unfortunate what what's going on there, uh, in particular to my bankroll. Um, but um, yeah, and and then you know Bel- basically Churchill Belmont. Keeneland, uh, Saratoga. I mean, that's 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 all I've been playing. I, I've been sprinkling a little bit more Santa Anita, but um, you know, it's just not. I don't know. I I, I have like a love hate relationship with it, but uh, you know, I try to only follow you know one or two tracks while they're running uh, now, as opposed to you know, hey, playing all the big tracks every weekend and getting nowhere so right no i i completely agree with you and remember when i said that leads in all really well to what i was going to talk about yep my second resolution less what i'm going to call hero tickets the kind of tickets where you can tell you're concerned about the ticket police looking over your shoulder and you're taking stands and singling 20 to 1 shots you kind of sort of like there's merit to those tickets but that can't be the sole focus of your action if you don't have a strong opinion. If your opinion is this 20 to 1 shot should be 10 to 1 or 12 to 1, yeah, you do something like that, but you don't make that the focus of your day. If you're looking at a favorite that you don't particularly like and you see that horse is going to be 2 to 5 and you're thinking, you know, this horse could potentially win and maybe is the most likely winner, but Shouldn't this horse be seven to five or eight to five? There's other ways to make your money rather than pitching that horse entirely off of all of your tickets. You find ways to use other races on the card. You find ways to massage things to where, okay, yes, you need to have sound management. Yes, you don't throw that two to five favorite in if you're going seven deep in a pick four. I'm not totally without morals here, Ticket Police. I understand where you're coming from and there's sound logic behind it. But it's also a case where if you try to go for the clout too much and you try to get too cute, Josh, that leads into what Sheldon was saying earlier as far as you know, not boxing exactas and coming in 2-1 or as my father and I call them, Polish exactas. Too cute alert. There we go. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. But you'll wind up with what my dad and I call Polish exactas, where horses run 2-3 or 1-3, and you wind up saying, oh, God, I was mostly right, but my structure actually wound up backfiring on me. So it's more so just a case of making sure that the investments you're making are the sound ones and not the too cute ones. I don't know. I'm the opposite. I think more hero tickets. I love the hero ticket. Are you kidding me? How was your trip to that casino again? Yeah, that's true. Um, I remember there was a, at Sam Houston, there was a Ray Lou Gutierrez horse that was like eight to one. And I singled him every single way past Sunday and had like, hit like a $5 pick three with it. And it paid like fourteen hundred dollars. It paid for my entire uh, my entire. Well, Vegas there you trip. go, and that's that's the difference there. You're talking about a five dollar pick three that I imagine was a pretty skinny ticket. 
It's more so the case where you start looking at pick five tickets and pick four wagers where you come up with these convoluted things and you outsmart yourself. And it's just a matter of making sure that you don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, right? Because um, I, I think if I were to generalize ticket construction and ticket advice is if you're right, make sure you're getting paid. Sure. Absolutely. And that's not the part that I'm going against. It's making sure that the investments you're making are the sound ones, because then again, as I've mentioned, all of a sudden you're back to $24 pick four tickets with nothing. You're overly confident. And you're just going, what the heck am I even doing here? Yeah. Like there's a difference between hero tickets and smart tickets, more of yeah. these, less of these. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that, I guess what you're kind of saying also kind of goes goes with what, um, you know, one of my kind of issues were sometimes, um, you know, especially after a big score, right? And, and the ADW's healthy, and all of a sudden, right, a pick five ticket that I would play that at base would probably be like thirty six dollars, right? At base, repeat, um, repeat, repeat. Yeah. Right. That and and I mean, yeah, because I would do stuff like that. But my problem is is that thirty-six base, all of a sudden, you know, when I'm playing thirty-six, maybe fifty-four dollar base tickets, and all of a sudden, like I'm sitting there on Discord and I'm posting a hundred and eight dollar fifty cent pick four, pick five, you know, and it's just like like what the hell am I doing? That's you know? a hero ticket. That's, you do that too much, it turns into clout chasing rather than smart bankroll management. And by the way, I see all of you out there who know me laughing about me talking about clout being a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but okay, I think maybe maybe I, I misunderstood where you where you were coming from, but uh, I probably didn't say it clearly enough. Yeah, it's no, it's fine. Couple of days. No, I, I hear you, man. And and like, yeah, I mean I I always feel like ticket construction is more of an art than a science, right? Oh, absolutely it is. And there are certain things you can have principles you hold dear. You can have things that you consider as red flags or things, to, you know, for must use horses or whatnot. But there's also any number of things that can throw a monkey wrench into the system. If you wind up basing your ticket around what you think is a bad favorite and it turns out the morning line is crap. And that horse winds up being six to one when it should be six to one and not the four to five. It is there all of a sudden, a whole lot of questions get asked. So I hear you there. It is an art rather than a science, but there are certain things that I can do as a horse player to say, okay, what's the smartest use of my bankroll and how do I want to put my little green soldiers to work and have them return to me with more little green soldiers that I can put to work? Or in my case, used to pay for a wedding in Northern California. Yep. No. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think we're on the same page there. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Because, because yeah, like the, I want, I mean, one of the best examples I can even think of is that ticket I gave out on, on stream. And I, t I said, I was like, you know, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to add this horse. I'm not going to use it, not going to use it. And then in that first leg, I ended up having a horse that got scratched and all of a sudden 
I'm like, well, I'm going to single this first leg. I can afford to use this other horse now. And, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who was the person that urged you to do that as I dive down deep into the microphone and we turn this into ASMR? Thank you. I appreciate that. And by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe to the On the Wrong Lead Podcast Network. And if you're listening to us on those podcast networks, please be sure to leave us a nice comment and a five-star review. And now back to NPR with Cherry Drank and Andrew Champagne. Oh, goodness. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, you know, I always feel like, these are things that, and these are just things that I'm constantly working on, right? And, and honestly, this past year, you know, I played a lot more live bankroll contests. Um, and, you know, the year before, I played a ton of those Naira contests as well. And what it, it did really teach me is like, hey, you know, yes, th- there are multiple ways to make money in horse racing. And I know it's very sexy to hit pick five, pick six for thousands and thousands of dollars. And granted, my two biggest scores this year were a pick five and the pick six. However, I did very well in that Hawthorne contest playing $20 exactas, right? One over two horses, $40 bet, and and I won hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I built up a bankroll from 300 to 2,500 playing just exactas. And, you know, yes, I ended up churning some of that down, uh, you know, trying to chase that last, uh, that last NHC seat they had up for say, uh, up that day. But, you know, playing those contests, those win play show exacta double contests, like really, like you really have to look and figure out, Hey, or, or find other ways to make money outside of just just horizontally. And, and, and I think that there, there are merits to, to playing vertically in, in a, lot of, uh, a lot of things. And I, I kind of feel like sometimes people forget, you know, people forget about the trifecta and the exacta uh, because everyone's chasing that. Uh, and the double, too. Do not sleep on the daily double, especially if you have a horse you like that's going to be a very short price. One of the things I love doing at this place right back here, you find that three to five shot you like, you turn that horse into a three to one or seven to two shot in doubles by going one by two, and you'd be surprised how well that pays and how much that works, especially if the leg that you're either going before or after has a pretty big field. But Josh, you're absolutely right. There's something to be said for going back to basics. The best wagering day I ever had in my life was the Kentucky Derby that a lot of people want to forget about when Medina Spirit won the Kentucky Derby. Oh, thank God. I thought it was a different derby and I was No, it was not the, it was it was not the Maximum Security Country House fiasco. It wasn't that. But it was the Medina Spirit Kentucky Derby where the Baffert horse forgot to stop. The two races I nailed were a sprint race earlier on in the card when Lexitonian wound up running second behind Flagstaff, completing a massive exacta that I had. And then I had Medina Spirit, and I had that exacta a whole bunch of different ways, and I had Oaks Derby doubles, and I had conventional doubles, and I had win bets, and that wound up being a gigantic day for me. 
going back to basics helps. I know pick fours and pick fives are really sexy, and I know you can make a lot of money doing that. We're friends with people that have made a lot, and I mean a lot, of money doing that. I remember our friend Rob in Louisiana hit the cross-country pick five on this minuscule ticket with three singles and wound up hitting that for tens of thousands of dollars that wound up, I'm sure bankrolling some of his HVAC business that he reinvested and is continuing to use to print money. So good it, for him. No, it's his, it, it's into his craps, uh, his craps play. No, he's a craps player. No, I'm trying <laughs> to give him a little bit of credit here. Come on. But at any rate though, less hero tickets, more smart tickets. And that doesn't mean that aggressive tickets aren't smart tickets. It's just, find places to take your shot and take your shot as opposed to throwing money around and hoping you can get something that you can post to Twitter or discord. Oh, I just love blind aggression though. (laughs) All right. That's two from me. I've got a couple of small ones that I think we can fit on an also ran list, but what's your second new year's resolution, Josh? Well, so besides the um, just, just playing fewer, fewer races and, and, and fewer tracks. Um, I, I really do think that uh, playing, like, and I kind of talked about this a little bit, is big goal of mine is to play more live money contests. Um, I, I think with my bankroll, it's probably going to be more limited towards those um, Naira contests that are a couple hundred bucks in a weekend. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely do want to try and eventually get into a contest like, say, I don't know, the, the Pegasus World Cup Challenge or the BCBC. Um, you know, the BCBC one m- might be too tough for me because I, you, you got to wager a lot of money. And I don't know if I got the stones for it yet. Um, but something like I, I think the Pegasus is a couple thousand is, is a little bit less. Um, the um, Santa Anita's always got a couple of like $1,500 ones. They do a really nice job with their contest lineup. I know that's something they have put a bigger emphasis on over the last couple of years. Shout out to them for, for doing that and for getting that right. By everything I hear, they cater to contest players and they do a really good job. Yeah, and so I think to start the year, uh, I'm planning on playing the two Hawthorne contests. They're doing a kind of a last chance contest. Um, they're $200 buy-ins, uh, and it's, they're open wager formats. Turn your $200 to as much as you can before the end of, uh, I think it's usually golden gate or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to play those two. Uh, and you know, when Naira kind of spins theirs back up, I'm going to, I'm going to be playing those on the weekend. So, um, and, and I think it, it does make you a, a better player. It makes you reevaluate, um, and, and look at things differently so that you're not, just looking uh, at, at horizontals as the only way to to make money in races. It, you know, it makes you a little bit more versatile. There's nothing wrong with specializing, um, but you know, I, I think having those tools in your toolbox is always great because the Kentucky Derby, that superfecta, always pays, and the trifecta generally pays. I mean. If you're used to already playing those types of wagers and the derby comes around, you're at a big advantage in a humongous pool. Exactas pay pretty well, too. What I love doing on Derby Day with that Exacta is you take the top two horses, you throw those two on top, 
throw them underneath, of course, as well. And you add in two or three other horses underneath. That way, if one of your two A horses wins and nothing bonkers to you happens, chances are you're making a lot of money, at least off of that wager. And then you key the rest of your wagers accordingly off of that. That's one of the ways that I enjoy playing the Kentucky Derby. And there are ways in which you can do that with a lot of big fields. I mean, you look at, say, a turf race. Let's say Sam Houston has a field of 10. And let's say something happens where people out of state can actually wager on Sam Houston. Texas Racing Commission, get your shit together. I don't know what the over-under was on that, but I'm trying to go over. (laughs) Um, But Let's just say a seven to two shot wins that race and a six to one shot runs second. It's a 10 horse field. And all of a sudden you're looking at the exacta board and you're going, how is this paying 60 or $70 for a $2 bet? Capitalizing on those inefficiencies in the market that are caused by any number of factors, whether it's a small track with really funky pools and one big player doing something insane, whether it's, really big fields and a lot of money going a lot of different directions. Look at that probables board. Those are your friends. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of, of using a tote board, uh, especially uh, in like maidens, maiden claimers, those kinds of things. It tells a story, Josh. Yep. That's for darn sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly a case where you play live money contests or even pick and praise. And you'll learn something. You'll learn the value of going against a two to five shot. You learn the value of seeing that 20 to one shot that should be eight or 10 to one. That's ultimately where you find those discrepancies. And that's where you play those kinds of horses. Now, singling those horses in pick threes or pick fours on the regular, maybe not the smartest course of action, but there are ways in which you can make money. And that goes back to your point. There's a lot of ways to make money in this game, and that's one of the reasons it's the best betting game on the planet and why it should always be marketed accordingly. And, I mean, I think you bring up another point, which is, you know, that's why, you know, I always have a hard time giving tickets out on on here on stream. Um, And a lot of it is because, hey, it's we're looking at this three, four days in advance. And, I mean so much can change in that time and if there's one thing i've learned as a horse player is that you need to be flexible you know today i there was a peter walder horse at Gulfstream. he was two to one in the book and i thought he looked great but i'm like i'm not gonna take peter walder horse it's two to one in the book is gonna be seven to five like no interest in it um and i you know i go off and i go do something uh and i come back a couple races later and i look that Peter Walder horse went off at five to two and one going away. And it's just like, Hey, if you're sitting there and, and you don't like this horse at four to five, right? Maybe he's like even money in the book and you don't like him at four to five. All of a sudden he goes off at two to one, five to two. Does that change your opinion of the horse? It should. Absolutely. So, um, it's just, it's just always important to just be super, to be flexible. And, you know, like I said, that's, when you guys see me post, you know, I, I kind of post like sketched out tickets, but you know, and, and for the most part, they're, they're real similar, but 
to the point, we already brought up the case of that scratched horse that caused me to use that chalk horse in that last leg. That hang on, hang you on, told hang on. me a scratched horse did not cause you to use that horse. Your co-host caused you. Oh to use my that god! Horse. You're. I think you're patting yourself on the back a little too. Oh, much, I'm but... gonna out Bundy this until the wheels fall off. That's <laughs> for damn sure. You're. You're. Don't worry. When when we finally when we finally get together at a racetrack, your first coke is on me. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I might have them throw some rum in it just to frost you. Hey, that's fine. That's fine. I know, you know, I know you're not a huge drinker, so I didn't want to force the alcohol on you. You know, but, I appreciate uh, that. That's for sure. But no, going back to your original point, um, my, my friend TVG anchor, Mike Joyce loves to say this. He says, I never deal in absolutes. It's, yep. you know, one of those things that when you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. But it, you do need to be flexible. And the same horse that you're dead set on going against at two to five, three to five, if that horse shows up at three to one and you think that horse is the most likely winner, that's a gift. See also Nick's go in the Breeders' Cup Classic a couple of years ago. There was, I, I need to bring this up, but two months before the race, Someone set a line, and it might have been an NTRA type thing, but they set a line with essential quality favored in the Breeders' Cup Classic after Nick's Go had won several races in a row over older horses. And I remember tweeting something saying, please let Nick's Go not be favored. Please let Nick's Go not be favored. Please let Nick's Go not be favored. And there were several people who responded saying, oh, no shot. He's going to go favored. He's going to go favored. I had a lot of fun bringing that tweet back with five minutes to post when essential quality was somehow nine to five. Nick's go was three to one and five jumps out of the gate. The race was over. That was one hmm. of the biggest win bets that I had all year that year. Be flexible. And when you see something, know when to pounce. You, you said it perfectly. I mean, yeah, I, there, there's just, there's just been, like I said, um, you know, one of the other, uh, I, I mean, I can already think of a situation that kind of encapsulates a bunch of time, uh, a bunch of things that you've already said. Um, there was a pick five at Churchill Downs started with a turf sprint race. And there was a Larry Ravelli horse in that race. His, uh, she was named well abled. Um, and she's fast. Look, I looked at the horse and I liked the horse and I want to say the horse was like four to one, five to one. And I was like, that that's a pretty good price on this horse. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, and, and I'm like looking at the tote board favored in the doubles favored in the pick three, not getting bet at all. And, you know, I sat there and I'm looking and I kind of liked a couple other horses later in that sequence so I bet a double singling while abled into the next race. I then also bet a pick five singling while abled into the next into the rest of the sequence. It wasn't it wasn't humongous, but I want to say it paid something like eight or nine hundred bucks, all anchored on this horse that the tote board was just screaming, bet this horse. And people didn't. No one listened. I got a great price on it. I got a good. I got a good double, and I I hit a nice little pick five singling this horse. That honestly, I had a hard time in that race. You know, there were two or three other horses I liked, but the horse was so slammed in the doubles. I'm like, 
no, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to go with my gut. I'm going to go with this horse. I'm going to single and, uh, it paid off. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, even if it's a case where you think a horse lays over the field, like towers over the field and you're seeing seven to five, eight to five, sometimes better than even money's an overlay. And I know that doesn't sound like the sexiest thing imaginable, but you single that horse in doubles, pick threes, fours, and you wind up playing skinny enough tickets that you hammer the combinations a couple of times. And all of a sudden, that's the difference between a good day and a really good day. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we could we could keep on sitting here and, uh, and listing out uh, numerous things that we say we're going to change and probably won't. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think you just got to constantly be evolving uh, as a horse player. New things come out. New products come out. Um, heck, new, tr- uh, we haven't seen a new track in a while since what Arizona Downs and uh, was it Century Mile, I think it was in uh, in Canada here, but yep. uh, um, you know, you, you just kind of you got to keep the head on the swivel, you know, and and, and constantly be learning, but uh, yeah, it, it was fun to just kind of you know sit here and be and BS a little bit, talk a talk a little horse racing, uh, and uh. You know, we get ready for the get ready for the new year here. But uh, what what do you got planned for the for the new year? Anything fun? Um, not a whole heck of a lot, actually. I might be working on New Year's night. The state of Ohio is legalizing sports betting at the stroke of midnight on January first, twenty twenty three. And here's a fun little thing: you know who's going to be making the first in person sports bet in the state of Ohio at the Was stroke it Pete of Rose? midnight? It's Pete Rose. Yep. <laughs> Hey, you know, good, nice work if you can get it. But uh, yeah, so I might be doing a lot of different things with that. The one thing I will say as sort of a final thought that goes off of something you said about always be learning, differentiate the signal from the noise. If you're on Twitter and you're trying to find people to follow and to actually learn something, don't be afraid to hit the mute button if someone just isn't your speed or hits you as somebody that you just, whose energy you don't want. The mute button is your friend. Use it accordingly. Yeah, we uh, we're actually going to be staying in for uh, for New Year's. So, wow. Yeah. Um, my family just like everyone kind of got sick, <laughs> so I think everyone is just. Unfortunately, I'm thinking that's coming. If you haven't seen the news out of China, enlighten yourself. It's some scary shit. Yeah, I just I just think that everyone's just kind of. You know, I don't know. The RSV hit really hard in our area as well. Those poor kids. Um, uh, it's 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 affecting adults now too. Oh um, gee. Yeah. Wonderful. So so it you know we just had a bunch of like illnesses going around, and like we were just kind of like you know, let's just stay home. So my wife, uh, I, I she she's had this idea for months, and. Now that we are not going to be visiting my family, we're going to go through with it. My wife wants to watch all three Lord of the Rings movies, extended editions, in the same day. Oh, boy. I believe it's like 13 hours if you add them all up. Yeah, that is uh, that is a day right there. And that's one of those days where you need to make sure you order out your food and you order it out in advance. We have a, the world's largest charcuterie board for two people prepared and ready for this uh, this event. 
Okay. So. That's, that's more your speed than mine. A charcuterie board is not a meal. It is not a meal. It is a device restaurants use to gouge people out of their money with meats and cheeses that aren't enough for any one person to eat. But all of a sudden we look for something to share and you see this charcuterie board for $35 with some cheapo meats and cheeses. And it's a gigantic waste of money. Don't fall into that trap. If you're making it at home, it's a little more defensible. But if you're going out and you're looking for something, the charcuterie board is freaking robbery. Can you tell I've had this discussion with my fiance who loves charcuterie boards and thinks they're acceptable meals? I do not know how you could not just enjoy meat and cheese. I don't mind meat and cheese, but I mind it being served a certain way. If I want meat... Give me a steak. Give me a sandwich. If I want cheese, you know, same deal. It's just one of those things where you look and you look and you look and you'll see what people are charging for these charcuterie boards. It's amazing. Now, mind you, I'm in California. We pay for some weird things out here, Josh. And, you know, weird charcuterie boards, that's on the list. Well, either way, we'll have popcorn as well. Popcorn's good. Popcorn's okay. good. All right. Okay. We got we, we got some agreement there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got some nice wine. Um, and uh, you know, shout out to uh, my boy Nick, who gave uh, gave me some recommendations on on wines to try. Uh, I'm actually, a, you know, and obviously you you're, you live in California, but uh, I'm actually a big fan of French wines. Okay. Uh, particularly, uh, I really like. Oh my goodness! Why am I forgetting already? Grenache, sorry, uh, really, really big fan of uh, of Grenache and uh, was it uh, Bijolet? I have no idea if I'm pronouncing them right, but I don't know. There's there there's one that I'm a fan of in particular, What's and that? it's the sparkling wine that only grows in one region. Champagne. Now you boo me. Now is when you hit the boo button. All right, there. Do we you go. actually like champagne? It depends. There's some champagne that doesn't hit me right, but it's a great story about a restaurant that unfortunately uh, went the way of the dodo bird a couple of years ago. My girlfriend and I flew back from a friend's wedding in Kansas City, and we went to this place in Walnut Creek, California, about 20 minutes outside of Oakland, called the Corners Tavern. They saw that there was a reservation, and it was under my name, Champagne Party of Two. Well, it was a pretty slow day, apparently. Because we sat down and there were two glasses filled with Veuve Clicquot champagne on the house. <laughs> they got customers for, for life after that. Unfortunately, the landlord jacked up the rent and they left a couple of years ago. But that was uh, that was an all time cool experience. And I have never let my fiance forget it. <laughs> uh, well, you I, mentioned I, movies. One more thing before we go. Yep. Did you see the original Knives Out? No. See the original and then see the sequel that just came out on Netflix, Glass Onion. It's outstanding. Somebody said that they thought the the characters in that movie were like they were out of an episode of Psych. And the funny thing is, is someone I think they meant that as an insult, but I have never been more interested in watching a movie 
since seeing that comment? I can see that for sure. But also the, the second one takes place in the summer of 2020 when everyone is just ravaged by the pandemic. Um, it's, it's legitimate. It's real. And you can identify the people that they're supposed to be portraying because they do such an absolute fantastic job doing it. It's great. It's fantastic. And seriously, you haven't seen the first one. The first one's really good too. See them both. In fact, here's what I motion you do. If you have leftovers from this charcuterie board that you're making Hmm. after your 13 hour Lord of the Rings marathon, take another five hours, watch the two knives out movies. You're not going to be disappointed. Uh, I think my opinion on movies is very similar to your opinion on charcuterie boards. Really? Yeah, not a movie guy. How are how can someone not be a movie guy? It's not a movie guy. I watch Moneyball like twenty times a year. Of all the, the last movie I saw in theaters, the year you watch Moneyball, the last movie I saw in theaters was Episode Seven, Star Wars. Wow. Yeah. Notice that I didn't go see episode eight or nine in theaters. For some reason, well, I only went to episode, episode seven. Episode eight was probably a good decision because that wasn't any good. Episode nine had its moments. I haven't seen episode nine yet. I've okay. I've seen episode eight, but I have not seen episode nine yet. Okay. Well, I won't I won't spoil that for you then. I also yeah. have not seen episode three. I don't know what it is about finishing trilogies. I just like will watch the two. Well, episode three was that was what, Revenge of the Sith? I think so. It was the one with uh, it was the one with Yoda jumping around and doing his thing. I don't know. Okay, well, he did a thing at the end of episode two as well, so it oh. might have been that one. But no, it, the original, the not the original, but the the prequels. Yeah, you're you're not missing that. The high point of those was the pod racing scene in the first one that sparked a really good video game for the old N sixty four. Um, yeah. All right. We got to end. We got to, we, yeah. Andrew, I don't know how many bad takes you can put into one podcast. You didn't like the podcast. I, can, I cannot. Oh my goodness. I, we got to go. I got to go. You were spoken like someone who got his ass kicked at a sleepover in that game over and over and over and over again. Jesus Christ, people. We need a new year's resolution to give Josh some good takes. Oh my goodness. I, this is, this is just. I, I'm speechless at this point, but uh, yeah, uh, Andrew has already uh, you know barked at you to uh, like and subscribe. Make sure uh, you download. I did not bark. I whispered into my microphone in <laughs> ASMR format. Uh, but uh, you can check us at onthewronglead.com at wrong underscore lead on Twitter. Uh, Andrew is at Andrew Champagne. I am at Cherry Drink, and we will catch you guys later. Where's my noise maker? Oh, you got one? Ow.